know the about two rock fans or a rock show. Hello, this is Lisa Gonzalez from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Welcome to another episode of our Community Broadband Bits podcast. This week, Chris takes us to Waverly, Iowa to talk with Mike Litter. He's the Assistant General Manager of Waverly Light and Power. Mike will soon be taking over as Interim General Manager. Waverly is now looking into the possibility of building its own network. In 2000, Waverly passed a referendum to establish a telecommunications utility. The results of the referendum prompted incumbents to improve services. Chris and Mike discuss why the community has waited so long to move on its telecommunication initiative and what factors bring them to act today. Welcome to another Community Broadband Bits podcast. Today, we're talking with Mike Litterer, the Assistant General Manager down in Waverly, Iowa, a little bit south of where I am in Minnesota. And he is the Assistant General Manager currently, will soon be the Interim General Manager in an exciting community in which uh, a new municipal broadband network is on the horizon, uh, has been for quite some time. So welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you very much. So to start, Mike, can you tell us a little bit about Waverly? Sure. Uh, Waverly is a small to mid-sized community about uh, 20 miles north of the Waterloo Cedar Falls area in in Iowa. We are a population of just under 10,000 and we have pretty diverse uh, business group here in Waverly, anything from uh, the food industry to manufacturing to the insurance agency. We have a small college in town by Wartburg College and really have just a really diverse type of business in Waverly. And we also do, it's kind of a mix of, of rural and urban. We do have quite a bit of uh, farming community around us. Actually, I, that answers a question for me, which is I was never familiar with where Wartburg was from. Uh, I've seen them come up a number of times to uh, play soccer teams in the metro area, Division three um, colleges, and uh, I had no idea that that was where they were from. Yeah, they're, they're an ex- excellent uh, private school here for this area and provide a really a really good uh, population for Waverly of, of uh, educated folks here. Uh, absolutely, I'm sure. And uh, you're right by Cedar Falls, which has uh, its own uh, reputation. They, they built a uh, one of the early networks in Iowa. Um, and then not long after that, I'm guessing, is when Waverly first uh, started looking at the question of whether it wanted to invest in a network. Yeah, we've looked at it uh, three times before this, and uh, the last time we looked at it was in, in 2000. And at that point, we actually had a referendum vote, and that was passed. Uh, there was actually two questions on the ballot. Uh, the first one is, should we, should we set up a telecommunications utility? And that was voted 86% in favor. And the other one was, uh, should the Waverly Light and Power Board of Trustees uh, be the governing governance for that new utility, and that was also voted, I believe, 80% in favor. So that is kind of when, when we got started. And right after that, uh, there, there were two other um, providers in town for telephone and uh, Internet and cable TV. And once we were approved, they, they upgraded all of their lines and equipment in town. And really that accomplished what we set out to do what was to improve broadband telecommunications acts uh, in Waverly. So we think we were successful at that point. And uh, at that point we decided, you know, because they had made some major investments in Waverly that it wasn't as needed at that point in time. So we did not move forward with setting up the utility. 
And I think there was there's been a big wave of this. Uh, it's it's not at all uncommon for this to happen in Iowa. There's uh, I think Iowa has a pretty good model law in terms of uh, it does require municipalities to gain the permission of the uh, population via a referendum before uh, you can build the network. Uh, but once the town has voted in a simple majority, then there is no further real uh, barriers or, or interference in the right of a municipality to build a network. Uh, is, that, is that your read on it as well as someone who's down there thinking about it? That, that is correct. Um, the, the only other thing we had to have done was an ordinance had to be passed by the city council establishing the utility, which that was uh, completed and published last week. So okay. uh, we are officially a uh, communications utility, and we will have our first uh, municipal communications utility board meeting on July 2nd, and we will be establishing um, that board. We'll, uh, we'll we'll take the first steps in getting the utility moving. Okay, so so in 2000 you gained the permission, but at that same time the existing companies decided to um, offer the services that you felt the community needed. Um, and then if we fast forward some, um, am, am I to understand then that these same companies or perhaps uh, some consolidated form of those companies, because they often uh, change names as the industry consolidates, uh, but have they not been meeting the, the needs of Waverly anymore? Yeah, you know, since 2000, I really haven't made any improvements in the system. And, and anybody that uh, has been involved somewhat in broadband and in, in the IT world knows that, that the world has changed immensely since 2000 and, and the needs of the people and the businesses have, have increased substantially and uh, they're, they're just not, we don't feel they're meeting the needs of, of what the customers and the businesses in Waverly need right now. Uh, so we think there's another opportunity uh, to come in and, and install a new system that, that can meet the needs of the community. Do you hear directly from uh, citizens or businesses in terms of what they do need? We do. Um, we hear, you know, we've talked to all, a lot of the big industries in town, and a lot of them say, you know, their needs for broadband are as much as doubling on a yearly rate, uh, especially the educational institutes, Wartburg and our schools. They said, you know, the need and the use of high-speed broadbanding is increasing, you know, exponentially. So and and they're looking for some new service providers to help them meet their need. So that you know and that is one of the reasons we started looking at it. And as we looked at it a little harder, um, we also decided that there is a definite need for that for economic development. We've we've found that broadband is really the next big thing in economic development. It is driving economic development across the country. And unless we can get a better system than we've got right now, we feel like we can't keep up. You know, if we want to continue to bring new businesses to Waverly and grow, that we need to provide that service. And we don't believe the uh, the incumbents in town are going to be able to do that. So can you tell me a little what's driven you to that conclusion? Are you having negotiations with with uh, new firms that might come to town, or are they just totally passing you over? What what exactly is happening? Yeah, we, we don't uh, – the, the city of Waverly – Waverly and Power is a separate uh, entity from the city. We're owned by the city, but we are a separate entity. We have our own board of trustees. And we don't do economic development here at Waverly, but the city of Waverly does. And those are things we're hearing from them. Our uh, economic development director is actually one of the main people that is pushing for this. He's hearing it from the people he's talking to. 
you know, he's trying to bring new businesses to town, and, and that's one of the first things is, you know, what kind of a broadband do you have in town? And, you know, and, and quite frankly, it's, it's just not meeting the needs, and we can't pull people in without upgrading our services. So you're looking at serving everyone in the community ultimately, um, but if I understand correctly, you do already have a ring that the Waverly Light and Power that you built uh, for your own needs. Is that right? Like substations and the sort of things that an electric utility needs to do? That is correct. In in the early 90s, we installed uh, a SCADA system, which is a supervisory control and data acquisition. That basically talks to all of our substations and all of our generating plants here in town and feeds us constant information about on the status of our electric lines and our generation. And in order to connect that, um, it was actually the best thing for us to do was connect it with fiber. You know, to, to use existing phone lines and things, it just it just wasn't in good enough condition for us to use it to the, in the in the way that we needed to use it. So at that point, we installed a uh, a fiber ring that connects all of our substations in town. And that still exists today. We use it heavily every day to monitor our system. And from there, um, once we had that installed, we, we got requests from other members of the community, uh, from schools, banks, businesses, who had multiple business sites in town that they wanted to connect their branches together um, over dark fiber. So, so as we progressed through this, you know, we were able to help our other customers and meet some of their needs for the fiber system. Oh, so you actually have been providing dark fibers then already? That is that is correct. We do we do just dark fiber. We don't provide any broadband. It's just 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 the pipe pipe itself, the dark fiber. Right, and for for listeners who might not be as familiar, dark fiber is not considered a telecommunications service, and so typically one does not have to get permission from anyone to provide it. So you've already been serving the schools and the libraries and some dark fiber for the businesses. Now you're looking to serve everyone. Do you have a preferred model for how you're going to achieve that? We are currently we have a we're setting up a task force for the communications utility to decide what that model will look like and to make sure that as we move forward that it's a feasible uh, business for us to be in. So I don't I don't really have a picture of that at this point because we're leaving our options open. And we've formed a, the task force is actually formed of, of members of businesses and community members uh, for them to come in and tell us what what the community needs because this, this is the community's broadband service. It's not Waverly and Powers. It's there to serve them and serve their needs. So we want them to come in and tell us what they think needs to be done. And from there, we'll develop a business model and a business plan on how to meet their needs. But the goal is to serve everyone in town, not just businesses, but also the residential customers. Right, and there's uh, both um, Iowa and Illinois has a number of successful projects in which um, the uh, utilities obviously have, there's some in which utilities run the services themselves entirely, and there's some in which uh, there's a trusted partner that is offering services. So um, there's that, and I'm I'm sure there's some other ways that that you'll think about it. So um, do you have a, a timeline for when you think uh, connections will start being made, or a, a goal? Well, we're hoping to have the uh, the task force and RFP and the feasibility, stun, feasibility study completed by the end of the year. And then once that's done, we'd probably have to do uh, a detailed engineering analysis and business plan. Uh, so hopefully, you know, w- within a year or so, we'll be ready to start moving forward and start hooking some customers up. Great. I'm uh, I'm hoping that you still have people that want to be on the internet then. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, the way it's going, it, we'll have twice as many as we do today. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I have no doubt. I, uh, um, you know, I just look at um, my consumption now, and it's boy, it's incredible. I uh, just spend a few days away from an internet connection uh, in rural Minnesota, and uh, it was hard for some of the things I wanted to accomplish. Just not possible. Yeah, and everything's just going to more and more broadband usage, whether it's IPTV, you know, or Netflix or Hulu or anything. You know, those are becoming some pretty big users, and they use a lot of broadband. Um, if you want to stream something like that to an HDTV, it takes it takes a lot of a lot of service and broadband to to make that work. Uh, one of the other things that that we could take advantage of is is we would like to have from the electric utility standpoint a fiber connection to every home that allows us to um, install what's called advanced metering infrastructure, and we can actually get meter reads. We can we can track outage statuses. So if a meter is out of power, it'll it'll tell us immediately they're out of power. Uh, right now, we have to wait for a customer to call and tell us. So I mean, it gives us potential to really cut down on our outage, outer length of outages. You know, if somebody's at work and they're out of power, a lot of times we don't hear about it until they get home. Right. Well, we we could have it back up and running in a, in you know 30 minutes to an hour if we know about it before they even come home. So there's a we can do autumn. We can read meters without having to physically walk around and read them. So there's a lot of advantages to that too. So we feel that's that's a an, that's another reason for us to be looking at installing fiber to the premise. Right. We actually just spoke with uh, Clarksville, uh, Tennessee, and that's one of their major benefits as well as those remote applications uh, um, being able to be more effective as a utility. And we've also in the past spent a lot of time documenting uh Chattanooga's uh model and the ways in which they've benefited and they've been very clear in the uh, in the aftermath of horrible storms you can be so much more efficient because you're not wasting time trying to figure out where the outages are you have a much better sense through the computers of of where the where the faults are and how to fix them well that's exactly right you know we we'll, we we'll, we'll, eventually we'll have a map uh, you know that says hey this and we'll get a note that says this customer's out of power maybe they text in a the system will send us a text, or it'll, it'll light up on our computer with a with an alarm that says, "Hey, this customer's out of power. You need to go check it out." You know, just really, it really increases our response time and allows us to serve our customers better. Great. Well, we're looking forward to seeing what model you move forward with and seeing how the project turns out. Uh, but you're certainly in good company. Iowa has more of these than I think any other state at this point. Yeah, we have some some really great models to follow too. Um, you know, the average take rate for municipal utilities with uh, telecommunications is, is 60 to 80% in Iowa. And, you know, and every, every community that has done it has been successful. So we have some really good models to follow. So we'll, we'll rely heavily on those communities to help us along the way and to, and to tell us, you know, these are things you should be doing or these are things you probably shouldn't be doing, you know, to help us make sure we're successful. Well, thanks for coming on and, and telling us about the project, and we'll look forward to hearing more about it as you move forward. All right. Thanks, Christopher. You can get more details about the project by following the Waverly tag on muninetworks.org. We wrote about the community, and we'll continue to follow their progress. Please send us your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Our handle on Twitter is at communitynets. This show was released on July 2, 2013. Thank you again to the group Eat It Joe's for their self-titled song licensed using Creative Commons. Thanks for listening. Eat at Joe's.